At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. <laughs> and I'm Addison Peacock. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I'm Addison, comma, Peacock. <laughs> you know, I'm Alex, comma, human. Ever heard of them? <laughs> you may have heard of a little bird called the Peacock. Well, let me tell you. It's not so little. Hi. <laughs> It's like a real fancy chicken. Okay, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but the Spanish word for peacock is pavo real, which means royal turkey. <laughs> people did happy used to, Thanksgiving. People called me that in elementary school. They yeah, because people in royal elementary turkey. school lack vision. I got royal turkey for years. Anyway, <laughs> it's a very weird thing to admit in the first in the first like minute of a podcast. It's only the first minute if people haven't listened to our rich and illustrious backlog. It's true. So... (laughs) For so many of you, this is like minute number thousand and three, which is frankly baffling. Why are you still here? (laughs) It's too many minutes for yourself. What what do we offer you at this point? (laughs) What do you get out of this? (laughs) Genuinely curious. Free your mind, free yourself. <laughs> so, oh my god, I like, I'm checking my pulse. I felt like my heart rate just, <laughs> like, skyrocket. I'm fine. I don't know. Is that because we were talking about elementary school or because we started negging our own podcast? I think it was both. <laughs> you can't see I am checking my pulse. Yeah, it I feels fine. It. It feels normal. Here's the thing. I can't check my pulse using my wrist because I can never find it on my wrist. And I always think I'm not. My heart's not beating. Oh, my God. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, Am I zombie? But when I check out on my on my, on my my neck, uh, you know where you do it. You know how mm-hmm. when you check a pulse. All my, uh, yeah. you know how all my people with right? cardiovascular systems know what I'm talking about. Uh, when you check I, I, your pulse. Yeah, anyone out here in the audience and I have a heart, you get it. Y'all got blood and veins and stuff. So... It feels fine. It feels normal. <laughs> I'm just going to take another drink of coffee, which seems like a good thing to do when my heart feels like it's racing. Probably. I can't start this one without you, though, so take your time. I know, I know. I'm trying to psych myself back up because I had my brief um, I had my brief fight or flight moment. I've decided to do neither and to podcast instead. Ah, love that. So, um, speaking of, of... Nope, neither of those is a word that I said. I was about to say, speaking of fright, I didn't say either of those words, but I'm going to say Uh-oh. it now. Speaking of things that are scary, <laughs> I guess. 
This week I am doing one. I did a poll a long time ago about this one. Uh, I was Ooh. considering doing. I was considering doing this for a bonus episode, but I actually found more stuff that made it a little bit longer, and I decided well, I wanted exciting. to do. Yeah, I decided I wanted to do a, a, a full a full one. Um, so this week I would like to talk about the Toronto Tunnel Monster. Um, I would also love to talk about the Toronto Tunnel Monster. Do you know about the Toronto Tunnel Monster? No, oh. but I desperately want to. <laughs> You're just excited. That's fair. So. Before we got before we dive in, I do want to say uh, obviously that uh, up top, just because of the nature of this particular subject, be prepared for some discussions of being in kind of scary close quarters, uh, like kind of cave environments. If you have claustrophobia or if like tunnels, caves, that sort of thing freaks you out, just. Sometimes I, I, it does me too, but sometimes if I just know going in, I'm fine. But if you want to sit this one out, I won't get mad at you. Take me away, Junji Ito. Mm-hmm. This is my pop. This, this is- episode was made for me. <laughs> this is my cryptid. It was made for me. If you're if you're getting your hopes up for some like true like eldritch abominations here, you're not. You're gonna be maybe a little disappointed. But uh, anyway, so I'm gonna hop over first. I'm gonna start us with a nice little primer and amuse bush, if you will. I will amuse mm-hmm. amuse your bushes. I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. Um, with the cryptids wiki entry on the Toronto Tunnel Monster. So. Just their little intro says, The city of Toronto once had numerous streams and waterways that, as the city expanded, were built over and became a network of underground waterways buried beneath the city and merging with the sewer systems. So, in 1978, a creature was sighted living in an underground tunnel in Toronto. So initially, I thought that this would have to be a one, like a very short kind of bonus episode Uh because this is one of those with just kind of a one sighting. But I'll go into a little bit more. There's some potentially related other sightings that weren't specifically in this location in this specific scenario, but there's some kind of crossover and things that maybe I'm stretching it a little bit, but I think they might be related, so I'm going to talk about it. It's going to be Okay, love that. Okay, so uh, from the Cryptids Wiki here, it was a warm summer's day in August of 1978 when a Toronto-area man had an experience with a strange creature that would forever change his life. Ernest, he only used his first name for the account, we don't have his full name, uh, was a soft-spoken 51-year-old man at the time of his harrowing experience. He and his wife of 19 years had been raising a litter of kittens. No, don't worry, it's okay. (laughs) Just okay. One of the kittens disappeared and Ernest decided to search for it in the vicinity of their Parliament Street apartment. Close by, he stumbled upon the opening to a dark, quote-unquote, cave, and crawled approximately 10 feet inwards. So, nothing, we don't know, nothing bad happened to the cat, as far as we know, by the way. I just, he was looking for the cat. He found okay. the tunnel and thought, oh, a cat would probably crawl into something like this. Let me look. Um, this is where he said, I saw a living nightmare that I'll never forget. Armed with only a flashlight, he encountered a creature of unknown origin. Ernest described the monster as long and thin, almost like a monkey, three feet long, large teeth, weighing 30 pounds with slate gray fur. However, it was the eyes that truly stood out, orange and red, slanted. Ernest spoke reluctantly with reporters as to what occurred next. The creature spoke to him. I'll never forget it, he said. Um, sorry? I said what I said. The creature spoke to him. I'll never forget it, he said. It said, go away, go away, in a hissing voice. Then it took off down a long tunnel off to the side. I got out of there as fast as I could. I was shaking with fear. 
So. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you feel woof. so far? Well, okay, so a couple of thoughts. Uh-huh. Um, one, I was not expecting or prepared for that uh, at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was a lot. Second, okay. not to, like, workshop people's recollections. Uh-huh. Because I feel like I do this sometimes. But, um, I was, this reminded me of a thing I was reading a while ago, which is that, like, I don't know if you know this, but, um, in certain foreign languages, there is a designated order in which, like, adjectives are supposed to go in. Uh-huh. Like, in order to make a sentence make sense and be grammatically correct, you have to say, like, things denoting quality, like, in relation to things denoting color, in relation to things denoting size, like, there's an order they go in. Oh, I didn't, I mean, I guess I yeah. sort of understood that on some level, but I didn't, I didn't really know that. And, but the thing is that, like, English is the same way. We just don't have, like, rules surrounding mm-hmm. it, but they're kind of unwritten. And if you break those rules, like, sentences sound so weird. Right. Like, if you say, oh, look at that big orange cat. If you were to say, look at that orange big cat, Ooh. like, it sounds <laughs> off, right? Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, no, it's, so it's weird. Like, we have these unwritten rules about the ways that we structure our descriptions of things. And when you describe this thing as long and thin, like a monkey, my brain does not know what to do with that information. I need the description of it being like a monkey to happen before you tell me that it is long and thin, which like makes my brain go in some serpentine directions. And then I was just not prepared for that to boomerang back around on me you know in how a monkeys, really upsetting way. You know how monkeys are just like little tubes? Like, I, I almost need you to re-describe this thing to me because I created a body horror that is way worse. <laughs> it's, okay, it's essentially, I'll, I'll describe it on my own terms. Uh, there are some artistic renderings uh, mm-hmm. that I'll, I'll describe a little bit later. But, like, so so going off the artistic renderings, like, uh, there was sort of, like, a drawing that went along with when the story broke. Mm-hmm. It's much more like... It is somewhat monkey-shaped in the way the head works and the way its body is, like, moving. Like, the way it, like, sits uh-huh. and is positioned. It has... And then, and then, like, its body's shape in general is long and thin. Kind of spindly limbs and fingers and, um... Okay. Like, a long... Like, a kind of... One of the drawings looks like it's got kind of a long, thin neck. Um, so it, it it's, like, a kind of very... Like, it is, like, just monkey-like, but, like, thin and sort okay. of spindly. Okay, got it. Not long and thin like a monkey. Because <laughs> if you tell me something is long and thin and we're talking about cryptids, my brain starts going in like a Mongolian deathworm sort of situation, you know? Like some right. sort of long, thin creature. And then you tell me it's like a monkey and my brain has to suddenly try to reconcile those two images. And then we were also just talking about Junji Ito. Anyway, it's bad. And I anyway, will have nightmares about a monster that doesn't exist. Also, you put Junji Ito into this conversation. I said oh, nothing Oh, no, that was 100% him. my fault. Oh, actually, if we're going to use a Junji Ito comic for reference, uh, he looks, the drawing looks way more like the way the man looks at the end of the long dream than it does like anything from the Enigma of Amigara Fault. Anyway, only my real Good, Ito heads the- will understand. <laughs> Because the way that you forced me to think about it, um, I was definitely thinking of, like, the people halfway through Amigara Fault. No! <laughs> it was no! really bad, Addison. <laughs> That's not to say that this thing maybe doesn't stretch its little arms out and look no. like that. <laughs> I'm sorry Stop. I did that just to be mean. So I'm going to hop over to the third. 13- I do just want to take a minute to say, dear listeners, if you are not familiar with the work of Junji Ito... Um, you're not in for a fun time if you look this up. I hope you like body horror. 
Yeah, no, it's like really, really disturbing. Um, especially on McGarvel. He's an incredible kind of borders on absurd in a way that like I just laugh at. Like it some of it to me does not hold up in the way that it it felt scary when you were like a middle schooler reading these things at like eleven thirty at night, well after you should have been off the computer. Yes. But um but some of it is still deeply up, up like upsetting. Yeah, I talk about his work on the show a lot. Um and he he has some new work coming out soon. There's actually going to be a uh, there's actually going to be an anime adaptation of Uzumaki, which is some of my favorite of his work, and I hope they do a good job I saw of it. That. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, if you were just like if you were listening to this at 10 p.m. or later, I don't recommend jumping into Amagura Fault right now. Don't look now. at some Jinji Ito stuff right now. Uh, in fact, instead, if you want to learn about Jinji Ito but don't want to look at something scary, watch, like, the interview with him where he's, like, talking about his cat. Like, do that instead. Because he's, like, a very just, like, normal, like, soft-spoken man who really likes his cat and then draws very, very frightening things. So, anyway, I'd like to continue... <laughs> Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, Keep doing an episode, please. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So I'd like to hop over to uh, the 13th floor.tv, and there's a piece uh, from 2016 called What Lies Beneath Toronto and the Tunnel Monster of Cabbage Town. That's, by the way, Cabbage Town is specifically where in Toronto this specific sighting took place. Um, it's Part of the piece is what I was just talking about on the Cryptids Wiki, but there is a little bit more information, so I'm scrolling here toward the bottom, and... This bit right here, I would, I wanted to cover on this part, uh, it talks about the son interviewed Ernest and his family and friends for this. An article was written about this sighting. Yes, I will read the article a little later. Okay. <laughs> and, um, or in just a few seconds. But they also, uh, they spoke to um, his family and friends to sort of fact check it. And everybody... Every single person they asked stood up for his credibility, but they also said specifically that they believed him about what he saw. Barbara said, um, I believe Ernie saw exactly what he says he did. He was terrified when he came back to the apartment, and he doesn't scare easily. Look, he's been known to have a drink in the past, like most people, and to occasionally tie one on. But he's not a drunk, and he wasn't drinking at all that day. For the final piece of the story, they also uh, went to the original sighting. And they took a look around, uh, like, what they could find in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, like, some animal bones in there, but that's not crazily, like, outside the realm of what you would expect to see in, a, like, an open tunnel like that. Um, so that's not necessarily evidence, but it is something. Uh, and then they also talked to two city employees who work in, worked in sewer maintenance. They were far from skeptical when they heard of the Cabbage Town Tunnel Monster. So I'm just going to... I trust city employees. I I do too, and I'm going to read what they said because it's chilling. Um, Okay. uh, I'm just going to do a Canadian accent for this. Sorry to our Canadian listeners. Uh, People who work on the surface just don't know what it's like down there, they said. It's a whole different... It's a Canadian accent! It is really intense Canadian. No, it's it's like a Letterkenny accent. I'm sorry. It's a whole different world. No, I'm just doing stuff. Um, This isn't good. I don't like this. Never mind. (laughs) Who would have thought a few years ago that people would live in sewers, and yet that's what they found in New York a few years back? Another was quoted as saying, without an accent, because I want this to really (laughs) land. I don't know what he saw down there, but I'll tell you one thing. If we could get in there, I sure as hell wouldn't want to go down alone. If we could uh, get in there, I'd, uh, I'd rather not go down there alone. How are you now? Good and you? Okay. Listen up. Uh, if you were going to come down uh, to Manitoba or whatever, I don't know. I don't know Canada. I'm going to stop talking. We're losing <laughs> listeners. We're hemorrhaging listeners by the second, eh? 
Uh, <laughs> only the ones in Chicago and Canada. I love... Yeah, listen, <laughs> Canada and Chicago have some accent overlap, and I won't pretend they don't. <laughs> listen. Yeah, I did kind of do a Chicago accent, didn't I? Listen. I feel like I'm going to kill my own career by claiming to be a voice actor and then coming on this show and doing those accents. But maybe the greatest act of all was pretending either of us knew what any location outside of our own hometowns is. Mm hmm. Perhaps. Anyway, would you like to would you like to hear uh, this news article? I really, truly would. Okie dokie. I have to zoom in really big because the text is very little. Okay. Okay. So. This was a piece by Lori Goldstein, staff writer at The Sun. Uh, the headline reads, Tunnel Monster of Cabbage Town. And this was, uh, this came out on March 25th, 1979. There's an eerie city lying beneath the streets of Metro, a city none of us knows much about. Ernest has been a visitor to that silent world of sewers, drainage pipes, and the ruins under old houses and the memory of what he saw will haunt him for the rest of his life. I wish you'd never come here, he says, as he sits in his small, neat Cabbage Town apartment with Barbara, his wife of 19 years. If I tell you what I saw, people will think I was drunk or crazy. They'll never believe me. On a summer day last August, Ernest, 51, firmly believes he saw some kind of creature while crawling into a small cave near his Parliament Street apartment looking for a kitten from a litter he'd been caring for. But about ten feet inside, he says he saw a living nightmare he'll never forget. It was pitch black in there. I saw it with my flashlight. The eyes were orange and red, slanted. It was long and thin, almost like a monkey. I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> three, <laughs> three feet long, large teeth, weighing maybe 30 pounds with slate gray fur. Ernest speaks reluctantly of what happened next. He is convinced the thing spoke to him. I'll never forget it, he said. It said, go away, go away in a hissing voice. And that's the part we read before. Ernest didn't come to the sun with this story. The son found him after hearing about his experience from a reliable contact who works with a relative of Ernest's, one of the handful of people to whom he has confided the experience. He would agree to talk about it only if his last name was not revealed. I'm in the phone book, he said. I couldn't stand being called by a bunch of cranks. Fair. That I will... is fair. And then we have Barbara's statement, which I already gave. I accompanied Ernest to the spot where he said he had seen the creature. It is at the bottom of a narrow passage between the building where he lives and the one next door. The only way to reach the tunnel entrance is to clamber 15 feet down the wrong side of a fire escape, which had once served as an exit to the street, but today simply leads to a narrow chamber with walls on four sides. The tunnel entrance runs under a slab of concrete at the foot of the chamber. Inside, there is a narrow passageway branching off to the left about 10 feet back. The concrete slab has collapsed on one side during the winter, making it impossible for even a small adult to get inside. I saw it where the tunnel turns, Ernest said. The last I saw, it was heading off into the dark. The passageway seemed to drop down very quickly and go a long way back. Ernest believes the tunnel leads to the sewer system that runs beneath Metro, and that the entrance beneath his apartment may have been only an access point 
only may have been only an access point used by the creature to the surface. Metro's sewer department agreed to inspect the tunnel since it could be a safety hazard. Children might try to enter it. Then there's the little quote I gave before, and they end specifically on that line of, if I was, if I, if we could get in there, I sure as hell wouldn't want to go down alone. Uh, so that's the, that's straight from the press from 1979. And they're uh, legally not allowed to lie. So. No, Canadian newspapers aren't allowed to lie. I don't know if you knew that. I did, actually. Nobody, nobody in Canada is allowed to lie. It's actually uh, it's actually punishable by uh, no jail time, just like a they just kind of pat you on the shoulder and tell you they're disappointed in you, but you're not allowed to lie in Canada. No, and um, actually, if you ever find out a Canadian's true name, you can <laughs> compel them through use of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, I actually just thought of another way to kind of give you a sense of what this thing kind of looks like silhouette-wise. Okay. A lot of people have drawn comparisons. I was about to get into things that people think it might have been. A lot of people have drawn comparisons to the way El Chupacabra has been rendered. Like that kind um, of... The alien-y, like, head and, like, the... Yeah, no, totally. I just, I love this because so many times, like, we get the people thinking what it could have been, quote-unquote, and it's like, oh, it was a barn owl, or oh, it was probably just, like, um, an undiscovered, like, mammal that's in this family or whatever. And I just love that for this one, it's like, hmm, yeah, there's no such thing as the Toronto Tall Monster. It was clearly El Chupacabra. <laughs> well, that's, like, another cryptozoological one. There are people who, of course, there's the theory that it was some sort of, like, that it, one, did not speak, and two, that it was some sort of, it was some sort of, like, Maybe like some sort of simian creature, like a monkey or something that had escaped, I either know. that had been it's a just pet. my favorite thing in the yeah. world is like the ridiculous branch of cryptozoology, like elitism, which is people being like, no, your cryptozoology is frankly ridiculous. My this cryptozoology is the real explanation. <laughs> exactly. There, there was the, yeah, there's a theory potentially that it could have been some sort of escape, like a monkey either that escaped from a zoo or enclosure, or that was somebody's pet that had been released into the wild and was living in the sewers. There's also one that's kind of just as trouble, not just as troubling maybe as a supernatural creature, but still a little Mm -hmm. bit troubling, and that's the possibility that it was just actually a person. Oof. Yeah. Especially since the, 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 the entity did speak, supposedly, I'm going to take Ernest at his word here, uh, did speak to our buddy Ernest. Um, yeah, I trust Ernest. I trust Ernest. I think he seems earnest. Stupid. I, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't know. Get out. Um, I, I should. I gotta go. My mom called. She said I have to leave. <laughs> so, um, actually, I should note, too, that, uh, there have been, there's not real evidence of this, but there are some kind of weird theories around, like, the tunnels in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. There is sort of, uh, there's this piece on the on Torontoist that talks about the urban legends and was talking about the Toronto underground specifically. Um, there is this, uh, this writer, uh, to be taken with a grain of salt, according to the source, and I uh, also agree, um, but... There's this writer who goes by Commander X, who uh, wrote a book, Underground Alien Bases, now out of print, by the way, uh, if you wanted to get a copy, sorry, but referenced widely in, to quote this Torontoist piece, sketchier internet neighborhoods. Um, He says, there is a small opening to the underground tunnels off Parliament Street in downtown Toronto. 
The underground city, abandoned, beneath Toronto, has its center beneath Jared Street and Church Street. Above this area, strange magnetic effects have been observed. Note, this corner of Gerard, I think it's Gerard Street, not Gerard Street, I don't know, and Church Streets has a higher accident rate than anywhere else in Toronto. It is believed that underground equipment utilizing powerful magnetic fields, which have caused many strange magnetic effects in houses near this intersection, are responsible for the bizarre equipment failures that often are the cause of these accidents. Anyway, there's nothing to say that that's even remotely true, but I found it interesting that there's like a variety of kind of conspiracy and sort of um, off the beaten path discussions surrounding the tunnels under Toronto. And it came up in an article that was also talking about the Cabbage Town monsters. So I wanted to just give a little. little... Yeah. Um, quick question. Mm -hmm. Do you think. That... Yes. <laughs> Do you think that catacombs would be less scary if we called them kitty cooms? Did you say catacombs? Catacombs. Isn't it catacombs? Catacombs. Catacombs. Well, kitty combs. combs. I think kitty combs would be much better. Kitty combs. <laughs> <laughs> See? It's so cute. When you say it, I just kind of laugh. It sounds like a Pokemon name. Oh, no. And you know what it is? It's a it's a kitty cat with, like, a face that's a skull. Oh, yeah. It's like a little ghost-type Kimton. Oh, I like it. Anyway. Go, um, kitty combs. Since we've already talked about the sort of uh, more, um, like, we talked about the shoot El Chupacabra, and we talked about the, like, realistic, a.k.a. boring, uh, potential explanations for what this thing was, I'd like to talk about another folkloric one. Um, okay. Ranker.com has a little article about the Cabbage Town slash Toronto Tunnel Monster, um, and specifically uh, references, um, let me pull up, I just closed out the, I closed the wrong tab, I didn't mean to. Um, there is, because they had a, a pronunciation guide here. Ranker references it, and then I actually found the, it's on the Cryptids Wiki page for Toronto Tundra Monster as well. There are creatures called, uh, um, that appear in, um, stories, uh, from Al Algonquian tribes and from specifically Ojibwe traditions, and they're, they're like little... They're a little, like, they're described a lot like Pukwudgie. They're, like, little, furry... Aw, nice. ...prankster creatures. Um, they, they're mischief, they're mischievous pranksters and thieves. They'll tip your canoe if you don't give them a proper offering. They'll, like, steal from your fishing nets. Um, they're supposed to live in hollowed-out rocks, be about three feet tall, be very hairy, and have high-pitched nasal voices. Oh. Yeah. So... In a lot of the stories, they can only be seen by children, and then in others, they can appear to anyone, especially people who give them gifts and offerings. But yeah, they're described as being child-sized and hairy with a large head and a strange voice that sounds like the whine of a dragonfly. And there's a little bit of variation uh, from region to region with the specific physical descriptions of them, but they're usually described as having uh, hairy faces and bodies, and... Um, that's pretty much like the, the the full depth I wanted to give to that, but just saying like regionally there's if you have stories of a uh, kind of little hairy like critters that are about three feet tall and like skitter around in hollowed out rocks, you are gonna draw some comparisons when someone saw a three foot tall hairy thing in a tunnel. 
So that's... Yeah. Yeah. Those are the... Again, that's uh, according to the pronunciation guide on Cryptid's Wiki. I don't know how much I can really... But uh, is um, Memeguesi. And they're also specifically, they're like river-dwelling water spirits. And I mentioned that a lot of the tunnels under Toronto used to be waterways. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just think it's neat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. My point is, maybe... If he had gone down there with a present for it, then it wouldn't have told him to leave. That's fair. I think you could get a lot further in life in general if you just bring people presents more often. But also, like, in some of the versions, like with a lot of these kind of trickster critters, like, if you give them an offering, either, the, either like, if you give them an offering, they just won't mess with you. But in some, if you give them an offering, they'll, like, actually do a helpful thing for you. So maybe would have helped him find that kitten if he'd brought it a present. But, I... Uh-huh. Just love excuses to give people presents. It's like my favorite thing. That's so nice. I think you would do just fine with any of these little guys then. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, let me just kind of organize myself here, have a couple like kind of related sightings that aren't overtly the same thing, but they're involving kind of strange things in tunnels. And I just thought, and they came up in my research and I wanted to talk about them. So... Before I do that, I am also going to read just a few choice comments that made me laugh uh, or were interesting that I found on the various different discussions of the Toronto Tunnel Monster. So first, I found a little entry about the Toronto Tunnel Monster on reddit.com slash r slash humanoid encounters, which I've referred to before. I was hoping I'd have a specific uh, like sighting to read from this, but no mm-hmm. specific sightings here. However, or I guess this is technically a sighting, but it's very short. This is the whole thing. Just um, user Greasy Breakfast says 11 months ago on it, it, the the post about it is just a link to a video, by the way, about the tunnel monster. It's not like a like a, a post for me to read. But the comment says, I saw something like this or several somethings like this one night as a kid in Toronto near one of the ravines that connect to the Don Valley. I was absolutely inconsolably terrified for days afterward. My parents had to take me to the doctor. That's the whole comment. Greasy breakfast, you left me hanging. Ugh, you can't just do that. I looked for it. I haven't seen it. Like, I looked through their post history and I couldn't find anything about it. Like, the rest of it. I just, this person posts a lot about Toronto. Clearly they care a lot about their city. Um... So, Which I'm, you know. I'm glad for, you know. I, I love that, that local loyalty. It's very important. Yeah. So, yeah, no, anyway, I was hoping I could find more about uh, that particular sighting, but that's all I got. And then the other thing I found, this is not, <laughs> this is just, it just made me laugh, so I just want to share it. Um, specifically, the Sasquatch Chronicles blog did a did a, did some coverage on uh, the Toronto Tunnel Monster. And then they, I think it was a, it's a, it looks like the post, it's a YouTube video that they made. So that's the post is the link to the video. And then uh, I did not watch that, but I did look at the comments. And the comments, I think, are very interesting. Um, one, because one of them made me laugh, and then I'll just I'll just read them for you here. Um, okay, so user do. Richie E says, Wow, what can you about this thing? Hmm, I guess I would have to change my underwear. Sorry? Wow, what can you about this thing? Hmm? I guess I would have to change my underwear. Underwear, two words. Four exclamation well, gee, points. What, what can you about this thing? <laughs> I'm sorry. So the, uh, this one, uh, here we go. Um, this uh, user, Ashim, Ashim, A-S-H-E-I-M, uh, that's my best guess, I'm not sure, um, says, this creature, 
or sorry, the creature didn't attack and just seemed to want to be left alone. It made me think of my childhood when I was in the second grade. We children made up a story of a witch that lived in the fields behind our school. We practically got ourselves believing it was true. We scared ourselves half to death. Little did we know what's out there. That's the end of the comment. Wow, this is all a lot. Did something get them in the middle of their comment? I don't know. Um, it seems like maybe the comment section here is cursed. <laughs> perhaps. Uh, and then, like, I feel like maybe it's cursed. I mean, yeah. So, this last one, a uh, gumshoe guy says, Toronto has an underground city that looks and feels like a mall underground. I could be wrong, but I believe Atlanta, Georgia has one too. I'm not sure of other American cities that have explored and developed thriving cities underground, though. Toronto is about three times the size of Detroit. And then they're talking about how big it is. But the city underground is new and clean. Uh, and then specifically says Denver is supposed to have a network of underground tunnels off limits to the public. And old Seattle has a historical history of underground passages. But that's all I know of the topic. So, a historical <laughs> that's history. That's all I got. <laughs> a historical history. So... All that being said, I want to talk just a little bit about some other things in tunnels. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please. Okie dokie. So, I found this one. Uh, this is a mysteriousuniverse.org piece. Uh, this one is called Creepy Encounters with Underground Humanoid Monsters, which is a great... I My interest is piqued. Um, and it covers a couple of other... Um, sort of weird sightings of things in tunnels. These are things that I think have even less for me to go on than the Toronto Tunnel Monster itself. So I think rather than trying to save these for something else, I wanted to cover them now. So there's this thing in April of 1950. Uh, there was um, a police officer in the area of uh, near the University of South Carolina. Um, and this, he was on patrol um, and came across a pile of what looked like the discarded remains of dead chickens that had been mauled and mutilated by an animal. As he ran his flashlight over the scene, the beam caught the sight of a hunched-over figure decked out in a silver suit in the shadows, which was described as having gray skin, being grotesque in appearance. Most oddly of all, the officer reported that it had a third eye in the center of its forehead. The creature allegedly scowled at the officer before scurrying down into the tunnel system below, leaving behind its stash of chickens. I love everything about this out of context. You like the third eye? Third man? eye scowled, ran away, leaving a stash of chickens. Quality content. The third eye man. He wears a little the third eye suit, man. I love it. And he eats a bunch of and he eats chickens. And that's uh, with that. That was the first entry. The second entry in this little piece is the the Cabbage Town monster that I mentioned before. Um, and then this one that I think is, uh, I thought this one was neat. This one comes from, uh, or it was relayed. Yeah, this comes from Phantoms and Monsters. Um, and this is in Arizona. So, by the way, there's a lot of weirdness in the Superstition Mountains of Arizona. They reference it in this piece before, or in this piece, and have referenced it in other pieces on Mysterious Universe before. One of the strangest phenomena reported from the remote areas is that of reptilian humanoids said to reach immense sizes of up to 10 feet in height and which mel, which mel, which dwell down in the murky catacombs, cat kitty combs beneath the earth, <laughs> as well as numerous other odd encounters with things in the area's many gloomy mines, shafts, caves, and tunnels. 
Now, here's a very bizarre account related to Lon Stickler of Phantoms and Monsters by an individual who claimed to have an encounter with someone who had been down in the caves and had quite the stories to tell. So this is a story from like uh, several layers removed here, but still, we're going to give it a give it a go. So he spotted a mine entrance on the west side of the main mountain side. He said that the mine looked to be in good shape, so he started walking in the shaft. He had gone about half a mile in when he saw a sign that said no entrance beyond this point. The mine shaft was still in good shape, so he went in a hundred yards. He told me that people seemed to come out of the walls of the shaft. Men in black uniforms questioned him and they took him to a holding area in Mesa, Arizona for 72 hours. They questioned him again and found out that he, his home was in Colorado. They gave him a plane ticket to Denver and told him to never come back to the Phoenix area. He asked me not to tell anyone that I had seen him. He wanted to pick up personal items that got left behind. I've never seen him after that. Another encounter uh, in Blowing, Ca- Blowing? Yeah, Blowing Cave, Arkansas. Um, this was reported in 1966 by a man named George D. White, and that's spelled W-I-G-H-T, and a group of spelunkers. So apparently, they made their way through the passages of this particular cave, and they spotted a faint glowing light coming from somewhere ahead of them. As they approached, they came to a narrow passage through the solid rock, as well as what looked like a staircase going off into the darkness. According to the report, He called to the others, and they climbed through the opening. The tunnel expanded, and they suddenly came into a large corridor, 20 by 20. I'm assuming feet, it doesn't say. (laughs) Um, The walls and the floors were smooth, and the ceiling had a curved dome shape. Soon they encountered blue-skinned, but otherwise human-like individuals. The strangers communicated with the witnesses, telling them that they had instruments that could measure people's emotions. Cool and fun. They learned that the tunnels went on for miles. They were led to underground cities populated by entities that included serpent-like creatures and large, hairy bipeds. Using an elevator-like device, they were taken to a glass-like city. Soon after this incident, White apparently returned to the cave and was never seen again. Now, back to sort of less alien and sort of really out there things and a little bit more humanoid, uh, simian kind of ones, sort of more like our buddy in Toronto, our Canadian friend. Uh-huh. Um, there is a creature that's been reported in the Cascade Mountains of Skykomish, Washington. Uh, there's a tunnel called the Cascade Tunnel. It's an abandoned train tunnel. And in that tunnel, there are reports of a beast with shining yellow eyes. One account of this creature was written of in Brad Steiger's book, Real Monsters, Gruesome Critters, and Beasts from the Dark Side, in which a witness called Dave tells of an encounter in the tunnel. The witness says he went to the tunnel to investigate the reports and take some photos, and when he was about 40 feet in, he saw the glowing yellow eyes of the creature, remarking that no normal animal's eyes shone like that. The eyes apparently belonged to an indistinct, massive, shadowy figure standing out in the dim murk that was reported at standing at least nine feet tall. Now, here, this next one has an has a has a characteristic overlap with our friend in Cabbage Town. Another beast in a similar vein is the legend of what has come to be called Orange Eyes from the wilds of the area of Charles Mill Reservoir outside of Mansfield, Ohio. This is a creature that is meant to be, it's very large, but this is a a beastly enormous creature covered with filthy matted hair, possessing two large glowing orange eyes. 
And this one uh, is found along this area called Ruggie's Ruggles Road, which is uh, like sort of the lover's lane of this particular area. I'm sorry, but like there is some major cognitive dissonance happening for me about the fact that we're talking about this thing that you have referred to now as both our friend in Cabbage Town and as living along Ruggles Road. And then you go on to describe it not as some sort of strawberry shortcake-esque friend and boy, (laughs) but as like a horrible Junji Ito Slenderman monkey. And I'm having a hard time with that. Listen, just like the Cabbage Boy of Ruggles Road. No, the Ruggles Road one's the one in Ohio. It's not Cabbage Town. The Cabbage Town one is the same as the Toronto one. Sorry for the confusion. They're the same monster. No, I understand that. I'm just telling you that when you're throwing around <laughs> phrases like Ruggles Road and Cabbage Town, like, I don't know what to do with that. Okay, fair. Um, well, how about I hop over to historyandotherthingsweb.wordpress.com to tell you about how in May of 1963, there were a bunch of sightings of a strange, hairy, wild man in the area of Centerville on the outskirts of St. Louis, Illinois, in the United States. Sure. Go ahead and tell me all about how in May of 1963, there was a horrible <laughs> rash of sightings in Centerville, Illinois. I just did. But all seriousness, <laughs> they started on May 9th and escalated until the police claimed they were getting 50 calls a night from people oh who claimed to have seen the beast. Um, police police never got a view of it themselves, though. Um, people also said that the beast had a habit of disappearing down into sewers or tunnels. Um, and then after uh, the end of the month, the sightings dropped off and stopped. But yeah. You know, the more you know. I don't Where know why I said the go? more you know at the end there. Where did they go? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe to Toronto. Maybe. That only was like a decade later. I'm almost done taking us through the tunnels and caves where we talk about scary things, but I'm not done yet. So <laughs> I found a listicle on the website slappedham.com about creepy creatures. Run that by me one more again. Slappedham.com? Spell that? You know, like, it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> Just checking. It's slapped ham. Like a ham that you slapped. Why is it like so, that? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. All I know is that this listicle is called Creepy Creatures Discovered by YouTubers. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on the notification bell to find out about our latest cool videos. So, in June of 2017, popular YouTuber Papa Jake, who, by the way, I've already heard of before. He, like, makes primarily, like, uh, like, box fort content. I've never heard of this man, and I have no idea what box fort is. He boards, like, really elaborate... No, box forts. Like, literally box forts. He builds, like, like he really elaborate box, box forts. forts. Yeah, it's, like, most of his stuff is, like, like kid fr- Like, it's for kids. Like, he makes, like, a box fort version of, like, a school bus. Or, like, a box fort version of, like, a whatever. Um, anyway. But this time, instead, he found something spooky. So, apparently. Uh, let's imagine that there are air quotes over literally everything I say right now. Because sure. I don't trust YouTubers. So, I especially so, don't trust kids YouTubers. That- kids YouTube is yeah, legit right? terrifying. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Even like the ones that are like not making like really like uh like algorithm algorithmic mm-hmm. horrors for the children, like it still is like 
you are still like data mining or not data mining but like view mining little kids for money so like i trust your, exactly your one children's youtuber and that's jack hartman's music channel and that's because i taught kindergarten <laughs> i love that so anyway papa jake i hate having yeah, to sorry. call him papa jake i don't know his real papa name jake. papa jake father <laughs> jake learned that the woods behind his house Father Jake learned that that gives him too much credibility. I don't like it. He learned that the woods behind his house supposedly were haunted. So along with his friend, uh, he prepared to investigate. They hiked out there uh, and there we were discussed like there's reports of people going missing in the woods. No one knew what really happened to them. And the pair eventually stumble across some tracks that lead them toward a mysterious cave located beneath a tree. Hesitantly, they enter the cave where they discover more unusual prints and claw marks that are definitely real and not put there for views. Uh, sorry, did I say that? Uh, believing Whoops. that the cave might be the lair of some sort of sinister creature, they decide to leave and continue their trek through the woods. Soon, they discover a tunnel and decide to look inside. <laughs> Using a night vision app on their cell phone, they attempt to oh, see if they can spot they looking app. in the darkness on their cell phone. On their cell phone. As, however, just as they see some sort of creepy creature peering back at them, the video abruptly ends. Yes, I'm sure it's real. Oh, don't worry. They did a follow-up video where they went out at 3 a.m. to look in the oh, same nice. spooky tunnel. And, of course, they, uh, at the end, run screaming away from the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, where else anyway, would you go? Anyway, take one with a grain of salt. I just thought it was very funny especially because um if you watch a lot of the same youtube comedians that i enjoy you've probably seen uh there's a great kind of i've seen people make fun of it which is great but there's a very specific trend of youtubers like faking really obviously faking paranormal encounters for like clout and for views mm -hmm. and stuff and it always makes me laugh really really hard because it always is the the acting is always very bad and like it just it's just pulled off very poorly it's clearly just for like little kids who can't tell the difference between like who just don't have the way to kind of gauge how fake this stuff is yet and that mm -hmm. makes me mad but it also does make me laugh really really hard like there's this video of this guy pre pretending to be like possessed but like the way he shows being like possessed is he's just like very softly scratching the wall but not enough to damage the pain <laughs> uh, while his girlfriend's holding the camera and she's like lance lance you're scaring me Oh my god. Um, <laughs> um anyway. <laughs> I wanna wrap up with uh, uh I wanna wrap up with an encounter. Sub another one submitted to Phantoms and Monsters, but this one uh directly pulled from the Phantoms and Monsters website itself. And this one didn't actually happen in a tunnel, but the reason I wanna bring it up is because the um Chris Hawley, who reports or who relays the report, essentially draws the direct comparison to the Toronto Tunnel Monster, even including the artist's rendering that was originally included in the article. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about it. So this was uh, a story from a man, a man named Steve, and uh, he's one of the hosts of Nocturnal Frequency. And Steve, apparently in 2002, was working a night shift job. And uh, he's a hiker who would want to get out and, like, get some uh, exercise in whenever he could. And when his hours were really weird, he would try to take walks at night after his shifts would end. So one night when his shift ended at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, Steve would use these work shifts as a chance to walk home late at night. And when the world was asleep and the night was his to enjoy, which, like, sounds nice. Uh, can't relate. But that's its own conversation. Um, <laughs> Seriously. 
Uh, but anyway, <laughs> he was listening to his music, enjoying a very clear night walking home, and the route took him across a river located near Mississauga in Ontario, Canada. One night, Steve set out for his long walk home after finishing the shift, and it took him straight to the river. The river had a two-lane bridge over it that he walked across on his trek home. The bridge had a grassy knoll down the middle of it that separated the lanes of the bridge. Steve was starting his way across the bridge when he noticed something ahead of him in the dark. He clearly saw some kind of animal run from one side of the bridge into the middle of the grassy knoll. He stopped dead in his tracks and instinctively did not move at the sight of something in front of him that he could not identify. Steve stood motionless as he looked at the large silhouette in front of him. At this point, the only thing he could distinguish was that the thing was large. Uh, then it, he, as he stood watching it, it rose from a four-legged stance into a straight up and down, as standing like a human on two legs. So I don't love that. Take, it did not take the stance of a bear or any other animal Steve had ever seen. It but I like it even human. less. It looked almost human when standing fully up and still. Steve could make out the semi-human form of this thing as they stood there in the night, peering into the dark at each other. Steve did not move. The thing did not move either. They stood still for what seemed like a very long time to Steve, but was probably only a minute or so. And They're then they the fell bridge. in love. I read YA <laughs> in the early 2000s. <laughs> and then they kissed. No. Instead of kissing, Steve's, uh, Steve could not make out if it had fur or hair or any features. The night would only silhouette the creature by way of the natural light that the stars gave off. It was Canada, near a wooded area over a very dark river in the middle of the night. All Steve could see was the dark, strange shape of something he had never seen before. Finally, the thing dropped down to all fours without a sound and took off to continue its way across the grassy knoll to the wooded area on the other side of the bridge. And As then they continue, kissed. It ran in a form somewhat like how a dog would run. It ran into the woods back into the night. So, Steve has no idea what he had seen, but um, they say, uh, if you have any information, contact Steve, log into the show, contact Steve. Uh, and... Yeah, the, the drawing included as sort of the example of the silhouette that he was talking about was uh, of the Toronto Tunnel Monster. And specifically, it says, like, if you have any information, let him know. Uh, and be careful out there, as well as paying attention to your surroundings. Really close to treading on our, treading on our toes there, Chris Holly. Really, okay. really close. Um, but he didn't quite get there. I think now more than ever is especially important to be alert and aware that there are many unknowns out there and it is only a matter of time until we all may find ourselves looking into the eyes of something we do not understand. And, and that is that sighting. And finally, to kind of round everything up, I would like to talk about just some, uh, just a fun, funky pop culture thing now instead. Instead of actual sightings, I'd like to instead talk about that there is a 2011 found footage horror film from Australia called The Tunnel. Uh, and, it, and it is a documentary style uh, horror movie, so found footage, set in the underground network of abandoned railway tunnels in Sydney, Australia. Oh, and hi. this does involve, like, no spoilies, but it does involve, like, humanoid creatures in some tunnels wreaking some havoc they don't just tell you to go away they they in fact perhaps do not just tell you to go away and in fact wreak some some havoc and and perhaps even violence upon the people in this horror movie but that is all of that and i just wanted to say 
Tunnel's scary. Tunnel's scary. In all seriousness, like, I, I don't really, I think I would maybe normally ask you to rate this thing or give me your thoughts on it, but I think I know your thoughts on the Toronto Tunnel Monster slash the Cabbage Town Tunnel Monster. Uh, and I feel like they're not good. <laughs> I mean, they're not, they're not perfect. I do wish there was more kissing. I wish there was less body horror. Um, maybe body horror that you at the intersection of the two is like a perfect friend. Like a perfect friend. Doesn't matter. It's still there. This is a non-visual medium. And so the imagined body horror is all I have to work with. Side note, also, as much as I just said that, I will say that the, the Maybe little drawing Maybe if does I had been bold enough to look up pictures, but no. <laughs> the little drawing does actually creep I'm me I'm sure out, it's very so creepy. Like, it's like not... I don't like it. <laughs> but it's in all seriousness... It's not my favorite also, friend. No, not your favorite friend? Uh, it might not be my favorite friend either, but I did also... It's not my favorite friend, because... but also you described it as <laughs> looking kind of... Also, you described it as looking kind of monkeyish, and then I started talking about YA novels, and now all I can think about is, is the climb on spider monkey. <laughs> you better hold on tight, spider the monkey. The horrible spider monkey line. Hey, from, yep, let me tell my favorite fact. Let me tell my favorite movie fact in the whole wide world to the audience here. So, uh, folks, have you I don't not know recently you... told it to this audience? I, I tweeted about it. I feel like you it. have. I tweeted about it. Okay. Did I not say... If I've said it before, and you, and you already have heard me say this, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure I didn't talk about it actually on the show. I feel like I just talked about it on my Twitter. Okay. But, so Twilight was being made during the writer's strike. So, here's the thing, folks, about the origins of that line, that beloved and oft-memed line, hold on, you better hold on tight, Spider Monkey, is that the, originally there wasn't going to be any dialogue in that scene at all where there was going to be much less dialogue in that scene. There was going to be sort of the lead up and then Bella was going to like hop on Epper's back and they were going to do the Spider-Man knockoff running through the trees thing. And the director decided, hey, I'd really like to have like a little, like another like kind of cute little dialogue exchange right there. I'd love to have just like the two of them say something. And the screenwriter was not available to make any additions to the script because this was during the writer's strike. So the director and like other people involved in the film just kind of pitched a bunch of lines for that scene to me. And I need to, I don't know if you've ever heard the like other lines it could have been. I mean, just indulge us. Okay, I'm gonna tell you what some of the lines might have been, okay? I want you to hear this. Let me just pull up the list here because it makes me lose my mind. Here's some of the options. You're not scared of heights, are you? Not that I know of. Hold on tight. Not that I know of. <laughs> no. Option two. Hold on tight. Don't worry. I'm playing Edward and Bella, by the way. That's why would she say don't worry? I uh -huh. don't know. No, I got it. Uh -huh. um, option three. Wrap your legs around me like a spider monkey. <laughs> Done. <laughs> this is my favorite one. Option four. Got a good grip? Don't let go. No chance of that, buddy. <laughs> I love that one so much. No chance of that, buddy. Oh my god. Um, there's also a version. There's also apparently a line that didn't make the cut that was meant to be a tribute to All About Eve, but I can't find the line that doesn't make the cut that was meant to be a tribute Aww, to All About man. Eve. The final line listed here that also didn't make the cut was just Edward saying, "Prepare for liftoff." <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> um. Anyway, it's nothing to do with the Toronto Tunnel Monster. I just um, 
I something I really love about what we get to do on this show is we get to kind of I didn't really get to do didn't do it a ton today because I got so kind of caught up in just the fun like ooh scary in tunnel spooky look at the creator creator in the tunnel I said creator instead of creature because I combined the words creator creature and creature and that's what came out of my mouth but what I was gonna say is I love that we're able to explore like the roots of like fear and like what makes something just something that people are commonly so afraid of and I do think that it's very fascinating as someone who's also scared of them just the way that we are so so viscerally frightened by like tunnels and caves and these sort of dark enclosed spaces because of course like this one's not as mysterious as some of the other things people are naturally afraid of it's mm-hmm. that screams danger especially the idea of like being trapped in a dangerous situation it's like it's limited and it's small and and you get and you can get lost and like once you're in there might not be a way out or you might not be able to find one and I just tunnels I, I hate to just boil it all down to tunnels scary but I just think it's tunnels tunnels scary scary uh, watch The Descent if you want a scary movie in caves. Very scary, by the way. Don't watch it if you're not, like, if you're, like, if you don't want to be very scared. <laughs> but anyway, that's the Toronto Tunnel Monster and some other tunnel monsters I threw in there for free. Don't ever say I did nothing for you. And, yeah. Do you have any announcements? No, I don't think I can follow up free monsters. If you want to pay for monsters, you can go over to our Patreon. Ooh, smooth transition. And you can give us donations for the... Um, I can't ta- I can't do this without feeling insecure, so I just start saying nonsense. I'm sorry. I understand. Um, it's hard out here. But yeah, if you want to find us on our various social medias and such, you can follow us on Twitter at CryptKeepPod, C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D. That's also, incidentally, our email address. It's CryptKeepPod at gmail.com. A lot of people ask a lot of the time where to send in listener stories and the like, and that is the place to do it. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at The Cryptic Keeper. That's our official page. You can come hang out in The Cryptic Keeper Appreciation Group which we try to keep a really fun and funky space for everybody to hang and share uh, like cryptid stuff and pets and memes and just kind of have a nice zone for discussion and hanging out. Uh, if you want even more discussion and hanging out time, then you could become a Patreon donor of $5 or above, and that would give you access to our Discord server. And I think that's all the things I was going to plug. Those are all good things. Thank- I support them. Thank you to our friends at Lunar Light Studios. Uh, we love to be a part of your network. Check out other Lunar Light shows such as Ending Pending, Com Radical. Ne- uh, what are some more? I'm, my brain always falls Netflix out of my kill. brain. Netflix and Kill, Netflix yes. Kill? That's the one you were going to say? It is the one I was going to say. Um, love that. There's Badvertising or The Good Boys Girls. And a whole bunch of others. Check it out. So, as always, after all that, <laughs> as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. <laughs>